and welcome to the I Was Going Podcast. This week's episode, we're going to be speaking to Glaswegian businessman and owner of B Clothing, ex-Scottish professional footballer Mark Corin. Mark, welcome to the show. Okay, Mark, can you tell us how are you finding this unusual time and managing to keep yourself busy? Hi, it's a very, very strange time. Think anyone, I don't think anyone envisaged uh, this coming along. Regarding keeping busy, it's actually been quite easy. I was earlier. I've just had a, a, a daughter, so. Um, she's six weeks old, so obviously, my Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so during the, the sort of end of the pregnancy, leading up, and obviously having the having the wee girl, um, this has all been sort of through this sort of period. So, um, yeah, that's probably taken my focus off what is a really weird time and put it on to put it onto that instead. Regarding business wise. Um, we've we've kept working throughout. Uh, I've got an online clothing company, as uh, probably discussed later on, um, and we've we've had everyone that can work from home work from home, and we've still been working quite closely with the design team and the marketing team to ensure that the business does keep uh, running. And we've had people in the office, which uh, again was a different sort of thing to um, overcome, uh, just sort of like staff in in the the workplace. But yeah, it's sort of been a little bit business as usual but in a different way. Mark I mean I've been watching your journey on LinkedIn it's been really interesting to see the development uh, on social media and it just seemed as though Covid occurred just as you were getting real traction with B Clothing. Has it been a a disruption to the business line? Um, No not not particularly we we went we went through like this really massive period of accelerated growth for like the first three or four years, and then we sort of hit this sort of level of well, it was still growing, but the the acceleration wasn't as quick. And I think that coincided with going into international countries, and albeit they bought on to the brand quite quickly, and the, the sales were there. It was quite difficult to sort of make initially that profitable because we didn't understand the. The costs involved in postage and marketing and on all these things. So we, we probably like not leveled out. The growth just wasn't as accelerated. So we, we brought in a financial director at the end of last year and uh, he sort of came in and he was sort of stable in this sort of ship, if you will, kind of putting me and Stephen came from football backgrounds and then the other person that's in the business, Drew, he was, he'd sort of like taught himself coding and marketing. So we didn't really have like a business background what we were good at was making product and selling it and then it sort of tumbled into this like big sort of thing and this business and we didn't really have any business background so like I say we brought we brought Andy in who's been has been great the sort of COVID happened but it hasn't really harmed anything if anything people are sent at home and they're still ordering but it, kind of, it probably it hampered possibly Andy, like, learning or creating this sort of, this base that we can sort of then grow again from um, because it's a bit topsy-turvy. Nobody really knows what happened. And do you know what I mean? Like, figures that are happening during COVID are maybe different than what they usually would be or, or it may be slightly busier or slightly less busy. Like I say, nobody really knows what's happening right now and certainly what's going to happen after. So just a bit of a period of unknown. Like I say, it's not it's not had a detrimental effect to the business at all but it's just the way that, that nobody really knew COVID was going to happen nobody really knows how it's affected businesses going forward 
affected a lot of businesses right now, unfortunately, but from our point of view. You know? That leads me into my next question, Mark, which is how do you see the clothing industry going post-COVID? I really don't know. Obviously, high streets, the, again, it could go one of two ways. It could go people rush back to the high street a little bit because they've been locked up for three or four months, or it could be people have actually discovered that Online shopping is actually quite good. You can buy it and you get it in two days. You don't have to go into town and park. You don't have to spend that money parking. You spend it on postage, which is probably less than parking anyway, and you get it to your door. Um, I think I think there's I think there's room for both. To be honest, I think the the shopping experience is still something that people enjoy, and the convenience of online shopping if people are working. But as I say, I really don't know which way that it's going to go. I think online it probably is going to help online a little bit going forward because. It's still big, but I still think there's more growth online with people that maybe didn't trust online or or had never used it before have had to use it, not particularly for clothing, but other things like gardening or, or shop like Asda shop and stuff like that. But once you realise it's not it's it's pretty easy and pretty convenient, more people will do it. So with clothing thing as well, there was a lot of sales happening, a lot of um budgeting, but like budgets try to shift stock so again i don't know whether that's going to continue because people are going to have a backlog of stock that they've not sold or people haven't really ordered more stock so you're kind of going to have like a like a situation where there's maybe more demand than supply so uh, again one or two ways so it's, it's a difficult sort of period to manipulate i know from our point of view we're, we're not looking to do sales and we're looking to sort of we're selling out of our product really a lot and quite quickly so it's just sort of keeping that going and maintaining that and that's the sort of way we're looking at doing it. Mark I'm curious sort of if I can take you back a wee bit in time um, you've got a degree I think or or you studied in marine biology and then you went into <laughs> and then you moved on to uh, football and now clothing. Uh, can I ask, and can we take you right back? What did you want to do when you were at school? I always wanted to be a footballer. I think that's the first and foremost, probably everyone's, every boy that plays football's uh, dream. I remember when I was maybe like 16, 17, I was getting to that age. I wasn't with a club or anything. And a boy said to me, oh, you're too to be a footballer. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. But obviously, as you get older, I think I didn't turn sort of full time till I was 24 and I didn't go into sort of professional till I was 22. So at that point, like just before that, I probably did think it's maybe not going to happen. Uh, but I always sort of held on to that. I'd been playing junior football and stuff. And then regarding outside what I wanted to do, I don't really know. I'd sort of gone to university. I'd been there for a couple of years and just ended up going out a lot. And kind of my, was, my life was drifting about a wee bit and I, I didn't. I didn't like not having a structure. Getting up at like twelve or one o'clock and sort of fell into that life, and it didn't mess me up or anything. But I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. I kind of needed that structure, so I ended up leaving and bounced about a few things while I was trying to find. Out. I ended up working in Scottish Widows, and in there, I kind of looked at maybe becoming an IFA or um, uh, doing investment banking, and that's something I was like really interested in doing. But before that really even took off, I'd started sort of studying for the IFA exams. Uh, Hamilton came in and I'd, I'd signed for them and I'd been with them a couple of years and then whilst working at Scottish Widows and then St Mirren came in and offered me a full-time contract which uh, obviously I couldn't turn down, do you know what I mean? It was, it was something to do. And a major pivot now into fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L- looking back, I probably should have kept doing something, do you know what I mean? And that's maybe something that I would say to all footballers like, because like, the end of my career it was quite scary but like I wish I'd maybe kept on like studying a little bit of 
but I think you have to kind of be in the role to, to study to be like an investment back, like in, get in, to get into investments or, or things like that. But yeah, um, a major pivot from there into fashion, yeah. And so what, what was your education experience like then? Uh, what, in what respect? School, you know, through school. But by the time you got to the stage where you were coming out, what, what was your experience of school? Was it a positive one? Do you think it prepared you for the world? Not not particularly. Um, I enjoyed I, I didn't hate school or anything. I enjoyed it and I enjoyed playing football at the school and, and social aspect of it. But I remember thinking like at the end of fifth year I could leave, but I really didn't want to because I was scared of what lay out there. So in that respect, I don't think that really prepared me for life because I, I stayed on for another year I shouldn't have because I was scared of going into the real world because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So in that respect, I guess it didn't really prepare me for for the real world, do you know what I mean? Um, looking back, I, I see my friends now, some of them have got joinery businesses and electrician business. And again, as I look back and go, maybe I should have done something like that. I would never change anything that I do now because it's all led me to where I am. But I just to have that little bit of security, sometimes, security sorry, sometimes it would maybe be nice to have a trade. But do you know what I mean, it's easy to look back and say, maybe I should have done that, maybe I should have done that. But regarding school, I'd, I enjoyed it, but I don't particularly think it, Certainly not for how I end up playing football or moving into fashion. I don't think school did any of those. They helped tell me those. You've been... And just on that, I mean, you've got one of the typecast. You've been there and done it within footballing. But most kids will say to their parents, I want to be a footballer. And they'll say, I go out there and get a real job. Did you find that your family and friends encouraged you or discouraged you whenever you had the aspiration of wanting to become a footballer? My dad was very supportive. Um, um, him and my mum had broken up at the time, and he used to drive from like, I think he used to drive from like, take me from Edinburgh, sorry, he used to drive to Edinburgh, take me from Edinburgh to Hamilton training, and then back from Hamilton training to Edinburgh, and he used to drive home. And he used to do that like two, two or three times a week. You know what I mean? When I first signed. Wow. Didn't drive at the time, so uh, and obviously that's a massive commitment. Do you know I mean, I was 22 at the time. Do you know I mean, I was an adult. I shouldn't really have been doing that for myself. But he that. when I was younger, he did the same. He, he drove all the way. Like I was at Forfa for a year, which I I hated, but um, I didn't like the coach or anything. Again, probably my own personality rather than the coaches. Do you know what I mean? He was just quite harsh and quite firm, and I didn't really enjoy that. But he used to dra- drive me all the way up to Forfar and then drop me off in Tapor and he'd drive back down the road. So like my dad went out of his way to sort of help me in my football career. But um, friends-wise, we all just played football together. Nobody was really, oh, you can't do it or you can do it. We just, there was like five of us all the way through school. And before I moved away to university, we, we played the football uh, out the back of Tapor every night. And, and, and I ended up just sort of going to junior football from there and they, they obviously I was doing well and they were like oh you've got a chance of making it somebody really discouraged me whereas um, really encouraged me as well it was all it all came from myself it was all my sort of own I want to make it I want to make it and, and me and a friend of mine always joked that we ended almost ended up making it because I was still there hanging about do you know what I mean everyone else had dropped off but I was still there and I ended up making it <laughs> So where does does that motivation come from then to succeed, Mark? If you could say, obviously your dad was very supportive, you know, and not everyone has that. Um, And in the context of now, you'd probably say 24 is quite old to be signing your first permanent contract, you know. So where did that drive to just keep going, keep going, as you say, when others dropped off? 
right? Because I'm stubborn. I just uh, I don't really like giving up on anything. Do you know what I mean? I feel it, hate, it really annoyed me, and I'd never tell my dad this because he'd feel justified for doing it. But he sort of pushed my buttons a little bit. Like, I don't know, he'd maybe say, like, I don't know, he, he made me like, he sort of challenged me to then be like, no, I'll go and show you, I'll go and show you. And then it probably rubbed off in anything, like, like, I'll show you, I can make it, I'll show you, I can go and play at that level, I'll show you, do you know what I mean? And it, it probably instilled that, to know, the sort of underdog, I don't know, like, that I want to go and prove to people that I can go and do that. Maybe you've, like, I remember when I left Linlithgow, um, the manager was great with me, you know, I was obviously a bit, a bit annoyed that I'd left and I'd gone and signed for Hamilton. And I heard like a whisper, he'd said somebody, oh, he'll be back in six months. And that pure drove my inner drive, like I'll not be back in six months. Do you know what I mean? I'll go and prove that I'll can go and play at that level. And it's just like me, things like that, that you have to use to motivate yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because nobody's really going to do it for you. That's quite interesting. Again, being a footballer, you would obviously set yourself some goals. But in life, have you visibly set yourself some targets through your business, your education, your own lifestyle, etc. Have you set yourself visible goals that you you try to aspire? Yeah, I don't know if I have set like goals of everyone wants to be successful. Everyone wants to do this or do that. Football wise, it was just like I want to get into professional football, so I did that. And then it's like I want to go full time, and I did that. And it's like I want to play in the Premier League, and I managed to do that. Like I'm not saying that. I was the sole reason that all these happened. A lot of luck happened along the way. Do you know what I mean? I, I signed, I was at um, Hamilton, we got promoted, obviously had a good side, and then we played against them, and I played well against them, and I went there, and then they got promoted, and I was part of a good side. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't just down to myself that these things happened. It was like, along the way, things had conspired to help me with those things. And then business-wise, it's just you want to be successful and you, you want to drive yourself on. To, I look at other people and what they're doing and I think, well, well, I can do that. Why can't we do that? And my business partner, Stephen, is very much of the same opinion and, and Drew, who's come on board as well, it's like, well, why, they're doing that. Why can't I do that? I, I want to do that. Like a competitive edge, I guess, that you just want to be as good or better than people that are in and around you. And just on that, Mark, with B Clothing, I mean, it's got a, a fantastic brand, good <coughs> reputation, uh, and as you've said, you're taking it internationally. I saw some of the adverts that you've got with very high-profile footballers. You managed to get the, the Sky uh, advert, which was fantastic. looks really glamorous. Have you set yourself some goals over a period of time within within B Clothing? Um, again, probably not, but that's why we've brought Andy in, because up until we brought him in, we were just like going up the way and we were just sort of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. <laughs> just we'll, we'll make this and we'll design this and we'll sell this and it was just like going up and up and up and then you get to the top and you look around and you're like well not the top do you know what I mean but you get to a point and you look around and you're like we've probably neglected that a little bit we've probably neglected that a little bit we've probably neglected that a little bit and it all starts to like affect it a little bit when you get to a certain level and you really have to sort of reassess and Andy's really coming in and helping us do that with a business mind that me and Stephen and Drew maybe don't have and it's What's our five-year plan? This is where we are right now. Um, what, what, do we, what, what do we want to be doing in five years' time? It's like profitability. It's like obviously growth and making it profitable, more profitable or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And it's like up until this point, we haven't really had like a plan. We've just gone, right, we did this last year. We want to do this next year. Let's go for it. Or but without even knowing how to sort of get there, but we just sort of got there and we just did things at the time, but 
when you get, like I say, when you get to a certain level, you need to have more structure in that, in that, in the game. That's kind of what Andy's coming and helped us, helped us do. The, the the next one is an interesting one because you kind of stopped yourself there when you said at the top, no, we're no there. So do you recognise mm-hmm. yourself as being successful? And if not, when do you think that will be? Yeah, yes and no. I guess if somebody had said to me when we started the brand and we were like, basically there's a story that me and Rob will say, when we first started the brand, um, we were literally like, got t-shirts made in Thailand and we put them on a few footballers and we were trying to sell them. We thought success, we were like doing like, if we did £300 a day, we're like, right, we'll take the rest of the day off, we'll go and get lunch. And, and that was like a wee bonus for doing that. And it was like, right, £300 a day, that, that's that's a good target. And we didn't obviously hit that every day, but if we did, we're like, right, we'll go to town, we'll get a wee bit of lunch and that'll be our reward. Do you know what I mean? If somebody said to me, well, you've gone from doing that to what we're doing now, that I would say that's success. But then when we're at this level now, I look at other brands and I think to myself, well, if they probably not look down on you, but they do, that's not success for them. So there's always more success to strive for. And I'm not saying I'm not happy with what we're doing because that would just make you miserable if you weren't like, enjoying what you're doing. But I think I would like to take the company on. I don't want, just want to stay still. So Mark, <clears throat> I want to push you in this because what I asked is, do you think you're a success? And you went on there to talk about the business and all the rest of it. It's very much a Scottish trademark that we hear a lot of people coming on here, you know, and talking themselves down. So the question was, yeah. do you think you're a success and if not, when? Um, I'm looking at your body language there. It's a, it's a typical Scottish thing to be really uncomfortable <laughs> to say, actually, I'm doing all right here, you know. No, I, I'm doing all right, but then there's that success. I don't know, it's difficult because I look at my football career and like I'm like, well, I, I think that was quite successful, but then my dad would be like, I don't think he did well enough. Do you know what I mean? So it's like I, I went from playing non-league at 24 or I went full-time at 24 and I played three or four. Like I played full-time for 10 years and half of that was maybe in the Premier League. I think me personally, I think that's quite successful. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, could I have done better? If I'd worked that little bit harder, gone to the gym a little bit more, dedicated myself a little bit more, yeah, I probably could have. So in that respect, that's not successful, is it? Do you know what I mean? Because I wasn't the best version of what I could have been. Regarding business-wise, I think a lot of people would say we've been successful, but then that's not just me that's in that. Do you know what I mean? That's me, Stephen, and Andrew, and I would say together we're, we're successful. But I don't want to say successful because... I'm not happy with where I am right now. I want to be not not that I'm not happy. I just want to be better. Inspire them more. Okay, and and just on that, it's, it's it's an interesting one you touched on the health side of things. Is keeping yourself mentally, physically important to you? Uh, yeah, and that that's something that me and Stephen discuss as well. One of the things I really miss about football because I don't particularly miss playing football like at that level because what I do now, I really really enjoy it, and it's and it's replace that passion that I had for something else and I've got that passion so I don't miss football as as much or, or really I don't I don't think oh I wish I still played football because I've got this but I do miss being physically fit as fit as I was and as and maybe as healthy I guess I, I don't feel unhealthy but I, I really do miss being as fit as I was and you just can't put that it's hard to motivate yourself for one um but you just can't put that time into being as fit when you've got a lot of other things on the, on the go. <laughs> 
you probably didn't go into Glasgow every day. You hit three hundred sales either, you know. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> now it wasn't three hundred sales. It was just like once we'd done like three hundred pounds worth of sales. Oh, do you know what I mean? So like three hundred sales would have been nice every day early doors. I. Mark, you you've had you, you, sorry, Callum. You've you've had quite an interesting career to date. You're still a young man. What would you say reflectively has made you most proud? Like, uh, made you just most like proud? in like football career and business career, or and just business, in, yeah. in, in general. Football wise, I'm I'm proud of like playing for St Mirren, who were uh, a very good side at the time. Uh, we won the league, um, and I think at that point uh, it was maybe a record points total. Um, and I played with like Charlie Adam, Kurt Broadfoot, good players and a good side. So I was very proud of that. And that was maybe only my second season. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, playing for Ross County, like basically my last season in football, we went like 40 games unbeaten. We won the league again and we won it by a record points total. Um, so I would say those two, uh, football-wise, are, are things I'm proud of. And just like building Be Inspired, being part of Be Inspired, like um, the team, like... Like I say, Stephen, who have obviously got a lot to thank for um, as part as a sort of business partnership, and, and Drew as well, and just being part of that that team, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Okay, so everybody's got different influencers in their life. Who do you think are the three people that have influenced you most, and why? Wow. Could <laughs> um, have read those questions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest influence as well. Um, I'd probably say my old man to start with. Do you know what I mean? Not, not necessarily maybe being an influence, just sort of somebody who'd been there for me in my whole life and, and, and really pushed me on football wise. He really sort of helped me. My mum and dad split up when I was younger, so he wasn't always like around or that. Do you know what I mean? Like he stayed in England and I stayed in Scotland and I've seen him maybe every second week. But like regarding football wise, he, he did everything for me and probably pushed me on. And, took me places and, and, and was really went to every one of my games, do you know what I mean? So he was he was a, a good influence on my career. Secondly, football career wise, I'd say Andy Millen was really good. When I first went full time he was an assistant manager at um, St Mirren and uh, Gus McPherson was like the tough the tough one, do you know what I mean? Like and, and I don't get me wrong, Andy Millen was firm, do you know what I mean as well, but just that he was good. He was good for me and I uh, I've got a lot of a lot of thanking for my career in general. Third one, there's probably been so many over the years, but I can't particularly think of one that I've been like, wow, that's an influence of. That's okay, we can move on, Mark. That's fine. Are you, I don't know if you're a reader or not, but have you have you had a book a book that you think that's influenced your career? Um, not influenced my career, but I really really enjoyed Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, it's basically the boy that set up Nike. So mm-hmm. just read, like, it was obviously after we started being inspired, but just reading it, that, that was very inspirational of, like, he started, I don't know if you've read Shoe Dog, uh, just the fact that he started selling those Onosuka Honest, Tigers, which obviously is, is, I think it's an A6, isn't it? So um, yeah. he started selling them and then he sort of built that up and then he'd gone over to the factories and then he sort of thought, well, how about we start our own brand? And that was very, like, that's kind of what happened with me and Stephen. And then he'd gone over to factories and create these relationships and create these products. And then it just sort of snowballed and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and uh, yeah, I think he was 
looked, even when they were turning over like hundreds of millions, he was pure skin. And then they floated on the stock market and he went from being skin to being a millionaire. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that part reflects anything to do with me at all, but it was just, it's a good story and I, I really enjoyed it. And, and it was, I could, I could watch it and think to myself, there is similarities there. And I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that book. We've had one <clears> 10-minute <throat> warning there from Zoom, so if we can just do a wee quick fire round, if that's okay. What's the no, one thing please. you wish you'd known when you began your career? Football-wise, I just wish I'd uh, put a lot more effort into the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like, just not the gym, but, like, just doing that little bit extra, maybe, like, building myself up uh, physically and then maybe staying behind extra and just doing a little bit of work on my, like, shooting finishings. Like, that was one area that I was probably letting me down was finishing. Work-wise, just get people that are better than me at stuff in quicker. <laughs> another, another question, Mark, just on the, the, the quick fire, nice easy one here again. What's the best bit of advice you've ever been given by someone? Probably, like, right back in the beginning of football, um, uh, George Fairley said to me, like, basically I'd not been in the team and I came on in the game and um, we was nil nil St. Johnson Scottish Cup. And I got the ball and I beat about three or four boys and I scored. And then I celebrated with mental and uh, obviously buzzing. And then a minute to go, I've tried to dribble the ball out of our box and I've got caught. And they've taken the ball off me. It's gone wide, they've crossed it and they've scored. So I've gone from like being pure high to so low. And in the changing room, I was so low. And uh, George Fairley came up to me afterwards and says, don't ever get too high and don't ever get too low. Do you know what I mean? There's obviously enjoy things and... And don't enjoy them. Never get too high because that's probably what happened. You got too high during the game after scoring and then you've come right back down now and look at you. It's like, just try and stay on that. Not even, you can't obviously stay on an even keel all the time. You just have to be careful about like, getting too high and low. Don't like get too carried away with yourself probably. We're not, we're not advocating getting high yet, that's for sure, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what piece of knowledge, you're obviously a very successful entrepreneur now, Mark, what piece of knowledge would you pass on the future generations of entrepreneurs that want to follow in your footsteps? I think just give it a try. Um, like you were saying at the beginning, it's. Um, I think some people, I've seen people in the, the clothing industry doing it like, I need to get everything perfect before I launch it. So it's like, I need the branding perfect, I need this perfect, I need that perfect. And then eventually they never end up launching something. It's like, and I've seen like Gary V talking about stuff, it's like, just launch that first thing or put that first piece of content or, or like, like I say, launch that first tracksuit. It's not going to be great. Do you know what I mean? If it is great, brilliant, but it's like, it's probably not going to be great. You're probably going to have to redesign it or like change it slightly or evolve as you do it. But the more you do it, the better you'll get. And you have to start from somewhere. Nobody goes in and is perfect at the beginning. Like you probably see that perfect, that perfect product or, or where we are now and go, wow, I could never do that. But like we weren't there like seven years ago. Do you know what I mean? See if you saw some of the stuff we released seven years ago, how the hell did you ever make it? But, it's probably that that you, you release it and then you, you get better and better. And as long as you're improving all the time, that's that's what it is. So I, I guess just put yourself out there, do, do that thing, and then and then perfect it from there. It's really interesting, Mark. If you listen to some of your earlier podcasts, you would get the absolute best example of that. Very much uh, putting yourself out there and learning, being imperfect, but absolutely, it's so it's so true. Do you know what I mean? It's so true. There's, there's nobody. 
unless you're extremely talented, nobody goes and does things the first time perfectly. Do you know what I mean? And if they do, fair play to them. Do you know what I mean? Probably millionaires or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, you have to go and do that. You have to go and put stuff out there. Put yourself out there a little bit because there's always going to be somebody quick to judge you. But like seeing two years' time, if you kept doing it and getting better and better, that person that judged you then will look at you and go, by the way, I wish I could do that. Just a, a, a quick question, because I'm, I'm conscious of the fact we've only got four minutes. Who would you define as being a successful person? And uh, do, do, do you think there's common traits in successful people? I know you touched on the lad from Nike. Um, who would you deem as being a successful person and, and, and for what reason? I guess like the easiest one for me to look at is probably football, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. say like Cristiano Ronaldo like is a successful person obviously outside football as well, but it just strikes me as like single-mindedness. Do you know what I mean? Like he's doing these things and like he believes in his self-belief and he's obviously put a hell of a lot of effort to get into where he is. Do you know what I mean? Like you hear stories about people try to get into training before him, like Carlos Tevez, I want to try and get into training before him. I turned up like half six, he was there, he was tired, but he was still there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that, that's, that stubbornness I was talking about. He's not going to get beat by even Tevez going to training early. He's going to get in there before him. Do you know what I mean? And he's obviously put a hell of a lot of work in to get where he is. But like, yeah. at, again, when he started playing football, he wasn't the perfect article, but he's kept improving year on year on year on year on year. And, and a very good career as well. So one last question yeah. then, Mark. If you could solve any problem in Scotland right now, what would it be and why? Wow. <laughs> um, Another easy one for you, Mark. Um, the state of Scottish football. <laughs> I, I don't know how you solve it. I just I feel quite bad for Scottish football now. Um, just with the COVID thing, I think a lot of Scottish football that the revenue comes from people going through gates. Do you know what I mean? They they, they have like they have fans, and, and without those fans, clubs are, are really really going to struggle. So um, it, I, it's probably not the answer you wanted, but just off the top of my head, it's, I've got friends and, and people that I've known, a boy, Scott Boyd, who's like, um, I played with and he, and he got a job up at Ross County and then obviously got made redundant because of COVID. And obviously he said to me, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a tough time unless we can get fans through, through the gate. And I, I think a lot of Scottish clubs are going to, are going to really struggle. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah. Scottish football was good to me. So, um, with the pleasure of yeah, with the pleasure of uh, speaking to Alan Maitland, uh, the Hamilton chairman. Oh, he was he was a he was a very good influence on my career as well. He was a very <laughs> nice man. He's your number yeah. three, then. There you go. Yeah, he, I just throw him in a number three, man. Just throw him in. I'll enjoy that. <laughs> uh, probably ask why I wasn't in his first two anyway. Absolutely. No, I'm conscious you've got one minute and 23 seconds to go on Zoom. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mark, thanks very much for coming on. It's been a, a, an absolute pleasure speaking to you. You've been fantastic. The way that you've answered the questions as honestly as you have. So it's much appreciated from uh, from our side for coming on and spending the time. I think we've asked you some tough questions, Mark. Wait, you see what happens when your Wayne starts doing it. Oh, no, there's a girl, it's a girl as well, so it's not going to be any easier. You know what I mean? <laughs> Awesome. No, good, good luck there and thanks very much, Mark. No, we, yeah. no, thanks very much for having me on, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. All the best. <laughs>